Hello and welcome to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company with us as we continue our discussions in a series that we titled Holiness Movement, a holiness movement. And this series promises to give us an orientation of God's plan for His people from Uh, Genesis to Revelation. God intends for His people to live the image that He created us to bear. And we talked last time about the image uh, of God uh, that shapes our identity and ordains our calling. It shapes our identity as children of God who are created with family resemblance to our God, who has He decided to give us some attributes that, 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 that resemble His nature in us, as well as He's given us a calling to express that nature in our daily lives. And, and God, uh, you know, in His, uh, in His goodness, invited humanity to live in fellowship with God forever. But as a result of our disobedience represented in our forefathers, Adam and Eve, um, we, we, we were banished from the presence of God. Uh, we were separated from the source of life. And our fall, as described in the, in the first few chapters of Genesis, created uh, this, uh, uh, I guess, um, a gap between our image that we were created to bear and our current reality. Uh, We almost, uh, we were meant to live like children of God uh, in a relationship with God and in our calling as expressions of God's nature. But all of a sudden, we are unable to do that because of the virus of sin that came and distorted and destroyed the amazing divine capabilities that were uh, invested in us. So God uh, didn't change His plan. God didn't change. uh, He didn't say, okay, you know, I wanted them to live according to my image, but now we can't really live in relationship and they can't really uh, live that type of holy life. Oh, let's think of another idea now. No, He didn't say that. God planned uh, our restoration. At the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, as soon as the fall occurred and the curse was pronounced, God said from the beginning that He will make a, 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 a he, he promised a Savior that He will transform the mess that the human uh, race have created by this sin. He says, I'm not going to leave you like that. I'm going to, uh, you know, the, 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 the Savior, the Messiah, that will come, will will restore the image and will store the life that I intended for my family. But the, the reality is we can't underestimate the damage that sin that penetrated our nature through the disobedience of Adam, that the, the, the mess that that created for us is probably the reason why 
we find that hard to say, I want to live a holy life. I want to live a life that resembles Christ because it's not natural for us. You see, the reason why we, we run away from the confronting ideal that God has for His people is we look ourselves in the mirror and we see our flaws and our shortcomings and our sinful inclinations and desires and say, it's impossible. And that's understandable. You see, sin is a problem and the fall had consequences. We read about that in, in the interpretation of Paul of, of the, sinful, uh, uh, the, the, the sinful nature uh, that um, invaded our race. Paul writes in Romans 1.18, he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal powers and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. The reality is sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve and, and that was inherited, that was uh, passed on through, uh, through our nature, our human nature and it had two repercussions that we become godless and we become wicked. So godless deals with our relationship with God and our identity in God. And wickedness deals with our calling and our conduct and our behavior. And this is the consequence of sin that it distorted the image of God in us and it also provoked God's wrath over that type of lifestyle. And God intended to restore all the mess that we created and begin to start a new, a new nuclear, a new family, a new nation. And God chose a guy by name of Abraham. When he first, God first encountered him, his name was Abram. And Abram, uh, family, Abram's family was probably worshippers of the God Moon. And they were in a place called Ur. And God called him to leave his family and to leave his, his surrounding and his comfort zone and to follow God and God would make him a father of many nations. Abraham, as you probably know, the story was uh, without a child and his wife was barren, but God miraculously intervened and they had a child. Um, you know, they had uh, more than one child. Obviously, we know of Ishmael and we know of Isaac. Ishmael is, is the son based on their own uh, maneuvering, but Isaac was the, was the promised child. And through Isaac, as God said, um, Abraham was going to have a descendant that as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. And you can imagine that, uh, you know, from the perspective of a child, childless 
uh, father. Uh, the reality is Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob uh, basically had 12 children of different wives or two wives and, and their servants. And we had 12 children, no, and God uh, named Jacob Israel as he struggled with God. Uh, he, he, he was renamed Israel. Uh, therefore, the children of Jacob are known as the children of Israel. And they become, became the 12 tribes that constituted the nation of Israel. So when we say Israel, we're really talking about Abraham's family uh, through Jacob and his descendant. You probably are aware that they weren't the greatest spiritual giants you could encounter. They were pretty wicked to the extent that they sold, um, sold their brother Joseph uh, to Egypt. And, he, uh, and in Egypt, he worked under a um, uh, um, uh, Potiphar in the house of Potiphar. He was unjustly um, accused of raping Potiphar's wife and he was placed in prison. But that was an opportunity for him to be ascended into power where Pharaoh appointed him as the second in charge. And though his brothers intended evil, God turned it into good. And Joseph was appointed to uh, uh, bring, preserve uh, his family and other uh, people from other nations as there was a, 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 an incredible famine that would have, um, would have destroyed people. But uh, uh, Joseph was able to be the person that, uh, th that maintained um, uh, the livelihood of people by reserving food and so on and selling that. And that brought uh, Israel's family, the brothers to Egypt in a big long story. They were received by Joseph. They were forgiven by Joseph and they were appointed in an awesome place uh, in Egypt. And they were looked after and they multiplied until Joseph died and other pharaohs, other, uh, other rulers came up in Egypt and they mistreated Israel, the people of God, and they enslaved them for 400 years until you know Moses, the hero that God sends to release people from, from Egypt, from their slavery. And there, uh, by plagues and miracles and, and parting the Red Sea, the people of Israel were on their way to the promised land. They were wandering in the wilderness for a while. And there God makes with them a covenant. He brought them out of slavery in order to make a covenant with them. In fact, God calls them set apart for Him. And in Leviticus chapter 20, it says, Thus... You are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. God didn't select them because they were greater or better than other people. He selected them because He placed His love upon them so they can represent Him to be holy, that is to, to be for His exclusive use, so they can represent the nature of God, the Holy One, and become a blessing just as God uh, intended for Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. Isn't it incredible that God appointed a group of people 
to restore the plan that God intended from the very beginning for people to be holy and live a holy life. And these people who were set apart with God had what we call the Mosaic Covenant on Mount Sinai where they had an agreement with God to live out that type of holiness to be a holy nation set apart unto God. And in Exodus 19, it says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, that is my agreement, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. That's God talking to Moses. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and said before them all the words the Lord has commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. We will do everything the Lord has said. And no one lied like that before. <laughs> they said, we will do everything. And if you know the history of Israel, they stuffed that up time and time and time again. They disobeyed God repeatedly. They disobeyed God consistently. God gave them the law and God uh, gave them instructions of a standard of living that will set them apart from the other nations. God wanted them to be different. God wanted them to be exclusively His. God wanted them to have the identity of a holy nation and to live as a holy nation that represent God the Holy One and therefore impact their surrounding. And we see in the Torah, which is the first few books that express the standards of God, we see primarily in the book of Leviticus that God created several, um, I, 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 I imagine, uh, ways of keeping His people holy and pure, almost like guardrails, almost like uh, standards of living, uh, rituals that they abide by and live that dream that God had for them. The first thing about the book uh, we, we, we understand that God gave them different sacrifices, different rituals about sacrifices that they may be able to thank God and when they stuff up, they will be able to experience forgiveness. Uh, that an animal will be slaughtered and the blood of that animal, which, which with the scripture says that the, 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 the blood is where life is. So the spilling of the animal's life was a substitution for the sinner. And this was a way for God to ensure that uh, sinful people were able to still connect with a holy God. And then God, we hear, we read in the book of Leviticus uh, uh, clear indications about the priests and what they need to do and, and, and the higher standard of living that they need to maintain. And, and they were like mediators uh, between God 
and his people. They were to stand for God with his people and they were to stand for people with God. Because God's holiness was so incredible that no one, uh, anyone can just draw near to God. They needed to be uh, ritually pure as an indication. They needed to be clean before God. And the priest took on uh, the opportunity to stand in God's presence on behalf of God's people and to facilitate an environment where a holy God can communicate and impact and, and draw near to impure people. And finally, we see in the book, purity laws. We see laws that, 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 that helps people understand how to live a, 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 a ritually pure life, a ritualistically pure life, and not touch this and not touch that. Uh, otherwise, they need to wait for a period, but also moralistically pure life because God has standards that exhibits his own nature and he tried to help the people uh, grasp that through some statements that, and some directions and some instructions to help them grasp the fact that they are called to live a holy life. But you and I know that it was not possible for God's people even that a special possession, even that set-apart nation, they were unable to live the type of life that God intended for them and they felt over and over and over again. It's the history of disobedience. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 65 to, uh, on behalf of God, I have spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way which is not good, following their own thoughts. Can you see the pattern of disobedience? That no matter how long God is patiently waiting and patiently stretching His hand to His people, they are disobedient and rebellious. They're not walking in His ways. So what can God do? Well, that's His plan now to restore all nations through this little nation. But this little nation is stuffed it up so badly. They're not representing God to their, to, to their neighbors. They're not living the identity that God bestowed upon them. So what can God do now? Well, God initiated what we call the new covenant. And in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Have you noticed here that God... Uh, uh, makes a provision, makes a new contract, makes a new agreement. Not the agreement of the Mosaic Covenant where it was conditional agreement. If you obey, I will bless you. If you do that, I will do that, which they stuffed up. They couldn't really maintain uh, their, their side of the agreement. But God here is making a different agreement. 
He's saying there is a new covenant coming. There is a new covenant in my blood, Jesus would say, where I will give you a new nature. I will give you a new identity. I will give you new capabilities, new appetites. I'm going to make you anew. The heart of stone that couldn't respond to God is now going to be a heart of flesh that actually enjoys God. And I will put my spirit in you. Why? So that you can live out your calling. I'm not only going to restore your identity, I'm going to restore your calling. Have you noticed that God didn't change his original plan? God didn't say, listen, I've tried to do this with Adam and Eve and they stuffed up badly. I've tried to do this with Abraham and his descendant and they stuffed up badly. That is just, you know, I'm going to have to change the ideal. Maybe it's too much for these people. No, no, no. He says, you maybe can't do it on your own. That's true. We've got a history of disobedience that proves that. But you can buy me. So I'm going to give you a new nature and I'm going to place my spirit in you permanently so you can live a holy life that follows my degrees, decrees and able to keep my laws. It hasn't changed. It's just now different empowerment from the inside out. In fact, Jeremiah says the same thing of that new covenant. He says, behold, in Jeremiah 31, the days are coming. They are the days of the Messiah. They are the days of the Holy Spirit. Declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That's obviously the covenant, the Mosaic covenant on Mount Sinai. That's God is saying this new covenant is going to be different from that conditional covenant. Why? Because that my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Listen. I want to say this with all love and true respect. People that say that the Old Testament was all about doing God's desires and, and, and live according to His standards and abide by His laws and the New Testament has nothing to do with God's laws. That is seriously not biblical. We are not obligated to live by our own abilities, we are not, we are not able to perform our, in God's good books. No, no, no. But by His Spirit, He enables us to live the moral law of God. Not the rituals and the circumcision and all that Jewish uh, um, uh, law that, that is external law. But the moral law that is the expression of God's nature. He says he's going to put that on the inside of us. Can you, can you see? I put my law within them. That's not an external law that you abide by by washing of the hands and days of festivals and an outward sign of circumcision. No, no, no. Not that type of stuff. But by the inner law, the law of the standards, the moral standards, the honor God, 
that, that, that reveals his good and, and holy nature. That hasn't changed. The only difference is now we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to live that out. Friends, we have an opportunity to see the history of redemption one of two ways. One way is to focus on a relationship with God that was initiated in the garden and that was um, sabotaged by disobedience uh, of our forefathers and, and, and that virus of sin ruined our life with God and separated from God as, as the prophet said your sin separated you between you and God and the reality is we, 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 we go about the history of salvation as if it's only dealing with a relational matter with our identity as children of God indeed it does Indeed, it does, but it doesn't stop there because when we focus only on the relational aspect, then we make Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension and ascending of the Spirit as a solution to the only problem that we identified, which is a relational problem, a positional problem. Right, So we want to reconcile with God as if the only thing that's involved in the reconciliation is our identity and our relational interaction with God. But it's far bigger than that. God actually intended from the very beginning that our identity and our calling will be restored. And therefore when He planned throughout the Old Testament our history, our, 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 our path of redemption, starting with Abraham and Israel and the sacrificial system and the prophets alluding to and promising a new covenant. That is the covenant that we receive freely because of the sacrifice of Jesus and that covenant of the Holy Spirit. The covenant of grace restores both our identity, our relational dimension and our calling and that's our practical life to live, to exhibit the character traits of our heavenly father, to live according to his standards of, uh, of righteousness and moral uprightness and to exhibit that in every aspect of our lives, in our relationship with other people, in our influence in the world, in whichever, in whichever capacity that you've been entrusted. This is what motivates believers to live a godly life when they begin to see the history of salvation interconnected and not to forsake one aspect of God's purposes for us. Believers pursue holiness because of the new covenant and the enabling power of the Spirit. They understand they can't do it on their own, but they also understand and believe and embrace the empowering Spirit of God that has put within them a new heart that wants, uh, uh, that, that has a desire to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. So friends, we live a holy life when we embrace our God-given identity and collaborate with the Spirit to express our God-ordained calling. Yes, by the power of the Spirit, we can live the image that God so desperately wants us to bear. 
And that's our prayer for you. That you understand in this New Testament that you have new dynamic power and that should motivate you to live the life that God purchased for you and Jesus died and rose again in order to enable you to live that out in the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. Thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to being with you again in our next episode. Until then, be utterly blessed.